The year 2020 is about to come to a close. And we are about to begin a new chapter in our lives for this generation. But today, I want to share with you a time in the past, beginning in 1863, when the new nation, the 13 colonies, were about to form a change of their ways. Our president at the time, for his second term, first term, was Abraham Lincoln. In 1863, September, Abraham Lincoln enforced or wrote the Emancipation Proclamation in the hopes of restoring and reforming the country to become a united nation. The Emancipation Proclamation was a document that said slavery would end. It also was a document that was written in hopes of uniting the country. Unfortunately, in 1865, in April, the war ended, which began in 1861. A four-year battle between the South and the North, fighting, losing thousands and thousands of lives. The South wanted to keep slavery. The North wanted to move forward in a more industrial way. The colonies were there, but people were flooding into the country by the thousands, by the millions, fleeing their homeland of England and various other places in hopes of being able to become free, to worship, and hopefully to become a unified nation based on their principles and not being governed by someone over the Atlantic Ocean. It was a monarchy. A monarchy is a system whereby one person rules and governs the entire country. They didn't want that. Yet here in America, they adopted the very thing that they ran away from. Abraham Lincoln was killed one week after the Civil War ended. When the Civil War ended, we were more divided than when we began this country. Abraham Lincoln died, and his vice president, whom he had only met one day prior to his inauguration, was a man named Andrew Johnson. Andrew Johnson was a Democrat. Abraham Lincoln was a Republican. The parties were reversed during this time with regard to their passion and their base purposes and cause. As soon as Johnson came into office, the very first thing he did was pardoned, forgave all of the Southern generals that fought for slavery. And the most astounding thing of all, these men were then elected with their state constitution to come and direct the South in particular. And then we became what we call a black codes issues. With these Confederates being put back in office, they saw that they needed to hold on to their 
economy. Their economy was plantation style, where Negroes from Africa and other various countries were needed in order to bring the country back to life. Johnson did not like the fact that we were about to free the slaves. He himself had slaves. But thank goodness to the radical Republicans at the time, in particular Stevens from the North and Philadelphia, he stepped in and said that the reform that was replaced when Lincoln initiated the Emancipation Proclamation, in that proclamation was a program set up to help the millions of slaves or Negroes who had nowhere to go, no home, no learning, no training, no education, no land. And our president at the time, the VP, Johnson, was against it. He actually vetoed the bill. The bill was called the Freedmen's Act. The Freedmen's Act was to help build schools, help give them land, help give them a sense of freedom and a sense of purpose. But unfortunately, those who were pardoned initiated what we call black codes. That's when slavery really began. Slaves, Negroes, whatever we want to call us, they were held down and limited. They couldn't own land. They couldn't go anywhere. And thus we began what we call sharecropping. Sharecropping was another form of slavery whereby Negroes had to somewhat remain on their plantations because they had nowhere to go to continue to farming their land to build a, their economy. But the sharecropping was a crooked system. It took away their freedom. You couldn't leave their property without permission. You couldn't stay with a woman who you loved. You couldn't marry. You weren't given education or anything of that nature. That lasted for another 10 years. What we call the reconstruction of the country turned out to be the most disastrous time for the American Negro. Even though we were making strides in the southern states where they had to rewrite their constitutions, particularly in South Carolina where the original emancipation was read, we had prominent people like Robert Smalls, Hiram Reeves, Elliot, these men wrote constitutions for the various states, in particular South Carolina. We were going to have roads, we were going to have education, we were going to be given our lands. But herein lies the problem. The South did not want that. Here we stand now, in this time and day, where we are almost faced with the same situations that we have in the past. We have lived a tumultuous time in this country. We go back to 1863, now we're about to approach 2021, and with the uncertainties of our government, we are still unsure of where our liberty and our freedom lies. Ladies and gentlemen, let us all hope and pray that this new year will bring us to a place where we can all receive liberty and justice for all. We must stand firm, we must stand strong, we must hold on to the unchanging hands 
because history has repeated itself. But let us not go back into the same results. The Negroes in this world from generations past had 10 years and they were very progressive and they were strong. But the president at the time, I think it was Rutherford B. Hayes, he had no interest whatsoever. He made a compromise that they would take all of the military guards out of the South, which were divided among seven states, in hopes of protecting these people. But then the rising of the most violent time arose. Let us pray that this new year will bring us to a place where we can once and for all see and receive the blessings of the promised people. May we enjoy our new birth and let us fight on to receive the promises that we have in our hearts. I give you pleasure, I give you glory, I give you honor, and I pray that we will all one day see the magnificence of the promise that we have in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Be blessed and enjoy. Hello everybody and welcome back to Kicking with Lynn. I've missed you guys but a lot has happened during this time and I'm so happy to say and report that it has been a sigh of relief and a hope for a better time to come. And that is one of the reasons why I wanted to try to enlighten some of us as to the reasons and how we are governed here in the United States. Just to give you a brief capture, in 1776, July 4th to be exact, the colonists declared war on Britain, declaring their independence. They wanted to be a free nation. They no longer wanted to be governed by another country who was set up as a monarchy where everything they said they had to do. So they went to war. The war began or was declared on that day. The war took place for many years. It ended in 1783 when the Treaty of Paris was signed. But since the declaration was made in July of 1776, now the country had to come together to try to establish and set up a new way of governing themselves. So in 1781, a group of landowners and uh, retailers or merchants got together and they formed the first Continental Congress. Now, George Washington was one of the generals fighting in that war leading up to this time. And he was a participant and a member of the Continental Congress. So the Continental Congress met and then they were deciding how they should establish and set up an organization which they had never done before since 1619 when they had started coming across the waters. They came up with a plan. They wanted to establish what you call popular sovereignty, a system whereby the people would rule. They wanted to become a republic where the people would exercise their power through voting. They wanted to become a federalistic system where the power would be shared and that they would be partners in making decisions. 
They also came up with a form called separation of powers because they didn't want any one group to have too much power. And they came up with a check and balances system. They came up with the limited government where no one would be above the law. And then they added, as time went on, what we call the Bill of Rights, which were the first 10 amendments that was added to the Constitution prior to it being ratified and had been sent out to all of the states so they could agree so that the union could come back together. This was the main purpose of doing this. They wanted to unify what was broken. Okay, some of the highlights of the Continental Congress consisted of several factors. They had set up this group of people, and they wanted to make sure that the Republic would be an organization where one person would organize and be the head of the state, not a monarchical system, whereby supreme powers would be held by the citizens who were entitled to vote for them. With the separation of powers, they set up several different branches. So once again, you had the executive, the legislative, and the judicial. That meant someone had to be the head, which would be normally the president. The legislative people would be your senators and your House of Representatives and the Congress. They would create the laws. Then you have your judicial systems, which whereby the Supreme Court, in this case, would interpret the laws. And just as a note, when they assigned Supreme Court justices, they were assigned for life because they never wanted them to see or be intimidated by any of the decisions that they made, which would be fair and honest for all parties concerned. That was wonderful. Then we moved on because they set the plan now. So what are we going to do? The next question was, how would the states be represented in Congress? This was a great one. Here you have a war-torn South and North. One of the biggest issues was, what are we going to do with 4 million slaves, with most of them living in the South, which was more populated with Negroes? And in the North, they were moving on with their industrial aspects of work and life, and they wanted to be represented by the state numbers. But no, they wanted to make sure that the population would be counted because there would not only be representation by population, but by taxes as well. The voting issue became a very, very nasty issue. So they had to come up with a compromise again. This time, the South agreed to what they called a three-fifth compromise when it came to figuring the cost of representation and taxation to be paid back to the government. Here's what they came up with. The Negroes would be counted as the Southerners argued because they needed to have laborers to maintain their cash crops. The economy, ladies and gentlemen. They agreed that however for representation and tax only, three-fifths of the total number of slaves would be recognized to represent the state, but not given citizenship or the right for every five slaves. 
the state counted only three. They had come to such a place where they agreed to move closer to forming a government because it was such a heavy, hot topic. The next issue that arose was how slavery would be represented in the Constitution. And here's why. More than one quarter of all the delegates owned slaves. They decided not to use the word slave in the Constitution. Instead, here's what they did. They described enslaved people, meaning Negroes working for them, as such persons or all other persons held. The word persons held meant service or labor, and that is the closest they could come to describing the African Negroes in the country. It's written in there, ladies and gentlemen. I've read it. Even though the word slave wasn't used, they could not get around the problem. Here's why. If they were forming a constitution to settle a new nation to represent all the people, and the constitution was to stand for liberty, how in the world could it allow slavery to go on? And yet it did. Then the subject came up in debates over the authority of Congress to control the slave trade with other countries. The South was not going for this. John Rutledge of South Carolina wasn't going to have it because they depended on the enslaved to grow their cash crops. And that's when the decision came about, should we even be in the Union? They started leaving and started forming their own country. Ladies and gentlemen, these were the fundamental premises under which the Constitution was made. But before I go on, one of the other provisions that was made in the uh, 1789 to 1792 writing of the Constitution was the inclusion of getting a leader for the country. Bear in mind that the party was not completely formed. There were not any divisions. Everybody was one. The way they chose a president was simply this. The growth of the political parties had changed so much when the electoral college, those individuals who had voted or uh, nominated several individuals and these group of people came together and chose who they wanted to represent them. That is a part of the Constitution, and that's how it was set up originally. But as time went on, thank goodness some of the rules changed because originally there was no division as to whether or not there would be a vice president or a president with the same party or not the same party. It did not matter. They chose whomever they cho thought was the best person for the job at the time. But as time went on, they found out otherwise. 
We'll talk more about the Electoral College because it has come up several times as years have gone by. Many of us think that we, the people here, choose who we decide to vote for with the Electoral College. That is not true. The Electoral College is a group of people taken from several states that will get together and make the decision based not on your voting, but on whom they feel based on how many rights they have in different states by population who the President of the United States will be. Our recent issue with the January 6th event came about because of the Electoral College's processes. It happened years ago, as we all know, several times with John Adams, with Rutherford B. Hayes, and even with Thomas Jefferson. So with the Electoral Committee being formed, many things could have happened, but thank God that did not happen. As we go through these next weeks, let's hope and pray that justice will be served, and I wish to all a very happy wonderful and much more enlightening and safer and healthier new year. Have a blessed evening. See you next time. Hello everybody and welcome back to Kicking with Lynn. I've missed you guys but a lot has happened during this time and I'm so happy to say and report that it has been a sigh of relief and a hope for a better time to come. And that is one of the reasons why I wanted to try to enlighten some of us as to the reasons and how we are governed here in the United States. Just to give you a brief capture, in 1776, July 4th to be exact, the colonists declared war on Britain, declaring their independence. They wanted to be a free nation. They no longer wanted to be governed by another country who was set up as a monarchy where everything they said they had to do. So they went to war. The war began or was declared on that day. The war took place for many years. It ended in 1783 when the Treaty of Paris was signed. But since the declaration was made in July of 1776, now the country had to come together to try to establish and set up a new way of governing themselves. So in 1781, a group of landowners and uh, retailers or merchants got together and they formed the first Continental Congress. Now, George Washington was one of the generals fighting in that war leading up to this time. And he was a participant and a member of the Continental Congress. So the Continental Congress met, and then they were deciding how they should establish and set up an organization which they had never done before since 1619 when they had started coming across the waters. They came up with a plan. They wanted to establish what you call popular sovereignty a system whereby the people would rule. They wanted to become a republic where the people would exercise their power through voting. They wanted to become a federalistic system where the power would be shared and that they would be partners in making decisions. They also came up with a form called separation of powers because they didn't want any one group to have too much power. 
And they came up with a check and balances system. They came up with the limited government where no one would be above the law. And then they added, as time went on, what we call the Bill of Rights, which was the first 10 amendments that was added to the Constitution prior to it being ratified and had been sent out to all of the states so they could agree so that the union could come back together. This was the main purpose of doing this. They wanted to unify what was broken. Okay, some of the highlights of the Continental Congress consisted of several factors. They had set up this group of people, and they wanted to make sure that the Republic would be an organization where one person would organize and be the head of the state, not a monarchical system, whereby supreme powers would be held by the citizens who were entitled to vote for them. With the separation of powers, they set up several different branches. So once again, you had the executive, the legislative, and the judicial. That meant someone had to be the head, which would be normally the president. The legislative people would be your senators and your House of Representatives and the Congress. They would create the laws. Then you have your judicial systems, which whereby the Supreme Court, in this case, would interpret the laws. And just as a note, when they assigned Supreme Court justices, they were assigned for life because they never wanted them to see or be intimidated by any of the decisions that they made, which would be fair and honest for all parties concerned. That was wonderful. Then we moved on because they set the plan now. So what are we going to do? The next question was, how would the states be represented in Congress? This was a great one. Here you have a war-torn South and North. One of the biggest issues was, what are we going to do with 4 million slaves? With most of them living in the South, which was more populated with Negroes. And in the North, they were moving on with their industrial aspects of work and life and they wanted to be represented by the state numbers. But no, they wanted to make sure that the population would be counted because there would not only be representation by population, but by taxes as well. The voting issue became a very, very nasty issue. So they had to come up with a compromise again. This time, the South agreed to what they called a three-fifth compromise when it came to figuring the cost of representation and taxation to be paid back to the government. Here's what they came up with. The Negroes would be counted as the Southerners argued because they needed to have laborers to maintain their cash crops. The economy, ladies and gentlemen. They agreed that, however, for representation and tax only, three-fifths of the total number of slaves would be recognized to represent the state, but not given citizenship or the right for every five slaves. The state counted only three. They had come to such a place where they agreed 
to move closer to forming a government because it was such a heavy, hot topic. The next issue that arose was how slavery would be represented in the Constitution. And here's why. More than one quarter of all the delegates owned slaves. They decided not to use the word slave in the Constitution. Instead, here's what they did. They described enslaved people, meaning Negroes working for them, as such persons or all other persons held. The word persons held meant service or labor, and that is the closest they could come to describing the African Negroes in the country. It's written in there, ladies and gentlemen. I've read it. Even though the word slave wasn't used, they could not get around the problem. Here's why. If they were forming a constitution to settle a new nation to represent all the people, and the constitution was to stand for liberty, how in the world could it allow slavery to go on? And yet it did. Then the subject came up in debates over the authority of Congress to control the slave trade with other countries. The South was not going for this. John Rutledge of South Carolina wasn't going to have it because they depended on the enslaved to grow their cash crops. And that's when the decision came about, should we even be in the Union? They started leaving and started forming their own country. Ladies and gentlemen, these were the fundamental premises under which the Constitution was made. But before I go on, one of the other provisions that was made in the uh, 1789 to 1792 writing of the Constitution was the inclusion of getting a leader for the country. Bear in mind that the party was not completely formed. There were not any divisions. Everybody was one. The way they chose a president was simply this. The growth of the political parties had changed so much when the electoral college, those individuals who had voted or uh, nominated several individuals and these group of people came together and chose who they wanted to represent them. That is a part of the Constitution, and that's how it was set up originally. But as time went on, thank goodness some of the rules changed because originally there was no division as to whether or not there would be a vice president or a president with the same party or not the same party. It did not matter. They chose whomever they thought was the best person for the job at the time. But as time went on, they found out otherwise. We'll talk more about the Electoral College because it has come up several times as 
years have gone by. Many of us think that we, the people here, choose who we decide to vote for with the Electoral College. That is not true. The Electoral College is a group of people taken from several states that will get together and make the decision based not on your voting, but on whom they feel based on how many rights they have in different states by population who the President of the United States will be. Our recent issue with the January 6th event came about because of the Electoral College's processes. It happened years ago, as we all know, several times with John Adams, with Rutherford B. Hayes, and even with Thomas Jefferson. So with the Electoral Committee being formed, many things could have happened, but thank God that did not happen. As we go through these next weeks, let's hope and pray that justice will be served. And I wish to all a very happy, wonderful, and much more enlightening and safer and healthier new year. Have a blessed evening. See you next time.